Welcome to The Favorites, the podcast. This is a very special bonus episode coming out today, Thursday. It's me, Chad Milner from the Action Network, my beautiful brother, Blackjack Fletcher. And, and on the phone from America's Heartland, host of the Pat McAfee Show 2.0, Mr. Pat McAfee. What's going on, brother? Chad, thank you so much for having me. Blackjack Fletch, can't wait to join you. And also, congratulations on signing Darren Ravel to the Action Network. Big things happening over there. It's an honor to join you, boys. We are excited. Blackjack, uh, Pat, you're having a massive week. You got your podcast. You've been on ESPN. You're broadcasting games. How is all this shaping up for you? How are you feeling about all this? Game, Chad. Just one game. Still. Pat, how was it having a live mic in front of you for three hours? I, it was a wild scene. Honestly, it was like a dream. You know, it was. I, I thought when I left the NFL, um, I honestly thought that I could bring a little something to the game of football, whether it be covering the game, however I would do it, anything like that. And the Sundays, if you watch on my social media, has become like a for the brand Sunday, basically where I cover fourth downs. Kind of give a little love, you know, S the D of my fellow peers, punters, and kickers. And I always wanted to call like an actual game with a network, but I was rejected from the broadcast boot camp twice, which is what all NFL players get to go to basically. And it's how all these guys get these jobs. They get to shake hands with the people at Fox and ESPN and CBS and NFL Network. I was rejected twice from going to that. So I never knew if it was going to happen. And then finally, I got the incredible opportunity through Fox Sports 1, and I had a blast doing it. I enjoyed it a lot. Sean Kelly and A.J. Hawk took care of me. The Baylor Bears beat the Texas Tech in the Texas shootout in Cliff Kingsbury last game. It was just a blast. I just had an an absolute blast with it. So hold on. Tell me a little bit more about this boot camp because this is is news to me here. Why did they reject you? You're a a magnetic, electric human being. Why would they not want you? That means a lot. Everything you just said made me feel very good deep down in my loins. I good. appreciate that. That's what I'm I trying to know. do. Honestly, I don't know. I think it's because my Twitter, I would swear on my Twitter, and I was just I was a stand-up comedian. I, it was just, I have no idea why. And also, I was a punter, right? I'm not a quarterback. I'm not. If I was a quarterback right now, I think I'd probably be calling Monday Night Football, if I had to guess. But I was a punter, so it's just the way it goes. And I, I, I just kind of had to fall in line almost in the way they viewed my position and me as uh, I, I, I just, I don't know. I got rejected twice though. And it was, I've never been really, I never replied for colleges because I got a scholarship to West Virginia to kick and that education level very low to get in there. So I was accepted there. I've never got like two rejection letters in my life from anything. And then broadcast boot camp, the NFL, I got two of them. So it's, it's nearly unprecedented for a punter to come out of the NFL and develop a media career. How did you even think, how did you even think, yeah, this is what I can get into? How does a punter break out as a personality? I I don't know. To be honest, I have no idea. I think social media helps out a lot. I think it's, it doesn't matter the position. It's, it's not the, it's not the arrow. It's the native American. You know what I mean? It's not the position. It's the human, the human behind it. And um, I was finding a lot of success 
whenever I was on the Twitter or on social media, I got a chance to be on the Bob and Tom show, which was a, a morning show that syndicated across the country based out of here in Indianapolis. They've been on for like 30 years. I sold like 10,000 tickets for a comedy tour and I think 38 seconds. I was just, I was having a lot of success off the field, both with my foundation and with trying to make the world laugh a little bit. So I, I don't know how it all happened. I just know that it eventually did happen. And I had enough confidence in myself that I decided to, to leave the NFL whenever I wasn't enjoying it anymore. And I've been having a blast with it. It, it could all come crashing down. It could. And maybe I end up in the Alcoholics Anonymous Football League. No, League no, or whatever. no, no, Pat. You're not, you're not an alcoholic. Alcoholics are quitters. You, you, you and I prefer the same term. I think that's drunk. I, uh, I only do the vitamins now, to be honest with you. I'll, I'll, I'll every once in a while. I'll, I'll That's chug, what I call it, too. I'll chug, <laughs> I'll chug a Bruja every once in a while, like the good old days. Maybe slam some vodka, but I'm all on the vitamins now. I like the bong. I like the vape. And I like the stuffed cones full of vitamins and just smoke them right to my face on a very regular basis. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> all right. Let's see if we can break some news on this podcast. Yes or no? Le'Veon Bell is going to the Colts. So it wouldn't be breaking news on this podcast. It would have been on my show like four months ago. I said that. Yeah, mm-hmm. Chat doesn't pay but attention I'm, to other people. I have no idea. I, I, he does seem to be very active on all the cult stuff on social media. He's been doing it since before training camp. So he's been every post that the NFL would post on their Instagram. He would comment with like fire or eyes or something. If it was T.Y. Hilton, Andrew Luck, Vinatieri, anything. It was very obvious that he had his eyes set on the Colts since before this entire missed the entire season drama happened, to be honest. So I, I think he knows that the Colts are a good situation. There's a hundred and some million dollars in space in the cap. They got a young quarterback. Well, not really. I guess Andrew Luck's going in like his six year, a really good quarterback, a good offense, a young culture. I think Le'Veon Bell is, is calculated and he's been doing this on purpose, but I, as a Colts fan now would love to see him in the backfield. I think, uh, it might be like a one-year deal, maybe a two-year deal, where they pay him a, a handsome amount like Darrell Revis was treated back in the day and just kind of bring him in like a mercenary, see what he's got, because the rapper doesn't look great right now. But if he gets back into shape like he was when he was a running back, I think that could help our team immensely. Okay. All right. I, I have a question, Pat, I want to ask you, because you obviously spent a long time in NFL locker rooms. And, you know, as people that sit here, we talk about gambling all the time. Do the guys in the locker room pay attention to point spreads? Because you'll hear people talk about it like, oh, this team's a seven-point dog, or, you know, they're they're only favored by three against this opponent, and, you know, that's motivation for them. Does anyone in the locker room give a shit about the point spread? Do they know what it is? Do they care about it? And I mean this when I say it. Whenever you get in the NFL, it is, and even in college, too, it is drummed in your head so hard, pounded, that, like, don't be the Pete Rose. Don't gamble on it. It's ba- now granted now that it's becoming legal nationally. I don't know what's going to happen federally. I guess it's becoming legal. I don't know if it'll change, but it was really pounded in our heads, especially I was a kicker in college. So, I mean, I, I had a position where if somebody really wanted to come fuck with me, they, they had, they had old mafia guys come and speak to us about how they were co- uh, cooking games and spreads and stuff. It's really a scare tactic used, and it worked for every guy I've been around. I, I mean, the NFL, you never hear it talk. There, there's so much other stuff to worry about. 
the spreads on, on games are not even talked about. And to be honest, I didn't even really understand why people enjoyed gambling whenever I was playing. Oh, all my friends are degenerates. I grew up around a lot of Italians. They gamble on games. I didn't really understand. I'm like, why are you betting on a game where we don't even know if we're going to fucking win? Like, we don't even have a clue who's going to show up. I have no idea if I'm going to have a good game. And you're gambling that I'm going to. I think it's stupid. But then once I retired, boy, I fucking love it. I, I don't know how anybody watches the game without money. I don't have a clue how anybody watches the game without money on anything. It's what? the best, the greatest thing on earth. What do you love about it? It's just you have a horse in a race in every single fucking race. It's like I'm watching some no game in the middle of yep. nowhere, and all of a sudden I'm just pulling really hard for a quarterback to get hot because we need points, bro. We need some points with the quickness. It's just it makes every game interesting. You you have a horse in the race, and it feels, and this sounds crazy, but when I was a punter in the league, like – I had like I felt like okay I have like I'm watching I had a front row seat to the Indianapolis Colts for eight years straight, uh, Super Bowl the undefeated year until we decided to lose I was watching games and it was like I had a front row seat I was the biggest fan of the Colts in history now granted every once in a while I'd have to go out there send the ball to the other team kind of walk back off the field do my job but it feels as if I have like an actual you know I have skin in the game and that's what gambling is and I, I very much understand why. Everybody loves it. I understand why it's a huge business. And right now, to be honest, it's my favorite. Th- it's one of my favorite things to do. It's one of my favorite things to do. That's awesome. Pat, I want to play a little word association with you. I'm going to say a name and you just tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Do I have to say like one word or can it be? You can uh, say whatever you want. Say whatever you want. Whatever pops okay. in your head. Ryan like Grigson. This. I think he was just an unwarranted, arrogant human. That's what I think. I, I think he, he was... He just, I think he had in his head what he had to act like to be a good GM. And then he just kind of took it too far. Now, do I think he maybe learned from it? I have no idea, but I did not enjoy him. And I don't think a lot of people did as the GM of the Colts. Bruce Arians. Oh, gee, dog. That guy's the best. That guy is the absolute best. I, I was very lucky to be there for the year that he finally got to be. Well, Ed, I mean, it happened because Chuck was battling leukemia, but Bruce Aarons was never given like a head coach really opportunity before then. The guy's been coaching since like with Bear Bryant he was coaching. And that year, whenever Chuck was battling leukemia, Bruce Aarons kind of just got handed the reins of the team there. And watching him kind of adapt and adjust and find his way was really cool in, in a very, very difficult circumstance because one of his best friends was going through leukemia battle too at the same time. I, I love Bruce Aarons. I don't think he's great on the mic though. I think they need to either get him a new booth to be in or they need to let him just be wide open a little bit more. I don't think he's, he's enjoying it, but he is one of the coolest dudes I've ever played for. Bart Scott. Look who the fuck it is. That is the last thing Bart Scott said to me in person uh, in the Colts-Jets game at the Indianapolis when I think the Jets hit a game-winning field goal against us in wild card or playoffs. I, uh, I almost got my ass beat by Bart Scott, and that's uh, I think he's – I think he was a good leader for a long time. I just, I almost got my ass kicked by him. Why? What, what did you do that make him almost <laughs> kick your ass? Long story, Chad. I mean, it, there was after a field goal, Vinatieri or an extra point. It was a field goal or an extra point. Vinatieri kicks the extra point. <clears throat> Bart Scott's walking at, like from, he was playing defensive end, I believe at the time for the field goal block. He's walking back to his sideline after the field goes, goes through, and he's about to just walk directly through Adam Vinatieri. Like, he's about to hit Adam Vinatieri, and I'm standing there watching it. So I push him, right? 
out of the way. And obviously that causes him to turn around for a second. So he turns around and looks at me and there is an altercation there between he and I where I can't back down because all this is on film. So we're going to be watching this in a meeting room the next day. I kind of did something out of the ordinary. I pushed him so he wouldn't hit Vinatieri because Vinny's a legend. He's a Hall of Famer. We had a back and forth. Ryan Dean, one of our offensive linemen, had to be like, what the fuck does that have? I have no idea. And then literally the following kickoff there, I think it was Antonio Cromartie brings it out of the end zone. All the way down their sideline, I make a tackle. Yep. I sprawl out on their sideline, and I'm literally laying at the feet of Bart Scott. And it's he's like, "Look who the fuck it is!" <laughs> and I just kind of like I like on all fours, I scurry off of their sideline. Basically, it felt like and get back into the onto the field over to the sideline. And I tell video, I'm like, "You're never gonna guess who I landed in front of on the other side." I'm gonna shit my pants. I almost have shit my pants right now, Vinny. I almost got my ass kicked by Bart Scott over there. That is fucking classic. I didn't realize the second half of that story. That is uh-huh. too funny. Oh, thanks, Chad. I appreciate that. It's just, <laughs> I, I end up in uh, I end up in very ridiculous situations, Chad. I mean, we're talking. My life is littered with just ridiculous events, and now I think that's now Pat. Enjoy. You mentioned ridiculous events, and and I want to I want to mention one story that I've heard you tell before. Among the many things you do, stand up comedy, the Pat McAfee show all the stuff you've got going on. You're also part of WWE's NXT pre-shows. And I believe if I'm not mistaken, you've got a wrestling ring out in your barn, right? Yeah. Can you tell us a story about how you got that ring? Thanks Fletch. Um, (laughs) I was Chad. You probably don't know anything about this and I'm excited for you to really learn a lot about me here. So (laughs) I wasn't supposed to have money, Chad. Okay. I wasn't supposed to be the (laughs) person who was yeah, I was not supposed to have money. It was it, it, people, and I think I was probably one of them when I was growing up or in college, and you hear about these athletes who just make ridiculous purchases and shit like that. And you're like, oh, have a little, you know, act like you've been there before. It's hard to act like you've been there before if you've never been there before. If you look at your bank account and you see like six figures in there, whatever you and your family have had like three figures in there for your entire life, it's really hard not to just be like, yo, I would like that, that, and that. And I apparently, one evening when I was very blacked out, I made a, a childhood nostalgia purchase because I walked out to my get my mail one time. It was year i forget what year in the league it was early in my career i walked out to get my mail classic just wearing a robe and i had a little bit of a long driveway because i got a little house with some land out here in indiana and i go to open the mailbox and an 18 wheeler shows up out front and guy pops out of the truck and he's got like a sweatband on jeans that are kind of like uh what's that called whitewash 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 acid acid washed Stonewash. They got like stonewash jeans on, like just classic. And he goes, uh, where do you want me to put this thing? Is his question. And I go, like, this is an 18-wheeler stopped in front of my house. I live in a residential area. This is a weird situation. The neighbors have to be looking at it like, what the fuck's going on here? So I say, what, what is it? He goes, a professional wrestling ring. I've never delivered one to a home before. Only business. Where do you want me to put this thing? I was like. I think you're at the wrong house, buddy. And he pulls out the receipt for the wrestling ring and it's his small business. He builds like one wrestling ring every five months and then he delivers it. It's kind of his go-to. <laughs> you, know, you, Pat, 
motherfucking McAfee? And I was like, yep, that's me. He said, well, I didn't know if this order was real or not, but we don't get a lot of orders. So I definitely took your money and made this. Uh, where do you want me to put it? I was like, oh, I guess just put it in the barn. And I found out that day um, that, yeah, I bought a wrestling ring, I guess, one late <laughs> when I had no clue. And just on the Internet, somehow I, in the annals of the Internet, I found this guy who's a one-man operation building wrestling rings in Kentucky. And he drove that thing four hours to my house. That's and awesome. I had no clue. He said the order was like like five months ago. I'm like, how the fuck am I supposed to remember this? It was five. So I have no idea that wrestling ring is still there in my ring. It's provided about minutes of entertainment to me and my friends. It things like falling on concrete. It's a very really? cheap. Really? Stiff. I, I think I should have upgraded a little bit. That's on me. I went a little cheap on the ring. So if I come out to Indianapolis, can we fuck around in the ring? Yeah, you can for sure. I, I'm a little <laughs> bit older. <laughs> the ring is it is it was a bad ring. And really? I think if I if I had to judge Pat motherfucking McAfee for one thing, it was that he definitely cheaped out on the purchase. I think there could have been an upgrade with a little bit more padding, hopefully, because that thing hurt like hell. But you come out to Indy Fletch, you can go off the top rope if you want. You can do whatever the goddamn pleases you. I would love what, to. Uh, you are getting into wrestling. Tell me about what? what you're doing in wrestling. I don't know. So right now it's just, it's one of those things where I've been a fan forever. You know, I grew up in the attitude era, which was the greatest era of wrestling in history. And I've just followed along with it. I enjoy the fact that it's a male soap opera with comedy, entertainment, some yep. action in there, a little drama too. I mean, it's, it's everything. And I've just, I've been a fan for so long and triple H and uh, Michael Cole reached out to me to get, to kind of do, come do some work on an NXT pre-show, which is their panel, basically. It's their pre-show. I did some of that. The conversations have continued to evolve, and now we're just kind of seeing where it goes. They, they've, they've created such an incredible business, and uh, I'm just trying to learn from it, kind of get in there, and we'll see what happens. I would like to be the United States champion, though, basically the president at some you point. You would be so an amazing I, U.S. champion. Amazing. Thank you. I, so, thank you. So now that you're involved with WWE a little bit and you're involved in gambling now, having that insight into the company, you're going to going to bet heavy on WrestleMania this year? No, they wouldn't tell me anyways, by the way. The, <laughs> the WWE is very impressive at keeping things inside. The only things that get out are the things that they want out. It's such a small group of people making all the decisions yeah. that anything – it's – it's really a family operation there. I mean, yeah, I, I've met Vince McMahon a couple of times, but it's legitimately really? a family operation. The people making the decisions and all that stuff, it's a tight group in there. And it's, it's really an impressive motto in 2018 when everything seems to get leaked. They can figure it all out. So will I gamble on WWE? No, but I also wouldn't know. If all right, so I, wouldn't know. I have some follow-ups here. First, how is Vince McMahon in person? It was... It was a, it was a very wild, surreal moment, you know, because you see him on the TV and you, you, you know that this man has created this monster enterprise, publicly traded 2 million subscribers a month paying nine ninety nine. That's just the beginning of their business. He just shook my hand and said, hello, and then walked away. The first time. It, was, <laughs> it was less than 1.5 seconds. I think it was, I think it was maybe a two second interaction. Hello. And then he just walked away and I was like, Holy shit, that just happened. He had a great suit on yeah, always. and then always a great suit. And then this last time he was in the same restaurant as me 
and it was another one second interaction. Well, hello. So I, I think maybe at some point I'll be able to, uh, to really chat with the man. I doubt it. If you I know, a really interesting note about Vince McMahon. His neighbor is Chad Millman in Greenwich, Connecticut. <laughs> I'm actually surprised. Like me. I'm surprised. He doesn't talk to Chad. Yeah. He doesn't talk to me. He, he treats me the same way he treats you, but I'm surprised that like you're, a brand name who's coming into their brand. I'm surprised he wasn't like, great to see you. We're so excited you're aboard. We think we can do big things together. Like he's I Vince think, McMahon. I think there'd be some whining and dining yep. there. He's, he's Vince McMahon. So I'm, Triple H is the guy who's my boss. Mm-hmm. Triple H is my boss because he runs NXT. He runs the Orlando Performance Center, yep. I'm pretty sure. He does. He's the guy that I directly report to, and he is very nice. I, there's a guy that people have said I look like for a long time, but a man who I've looked up to forever is now I get to chat with him every time a guy get text messages from him. It, it's a very interesting thing, but he and Michael Cole are the people I directly uh, communicate with. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure and those I exist. I think he probably asked one time, who's the guy in the shorts? <laughs> so <laughs> so what do you what do you call Triple H? Do you call him Triple H, Hunter, Paul? What do you, what do you call him? Sir? He has four nicknames. He has 45 nicknames and you just have to keep up with it cuz they'll be telling a story about him saying something and they'll call him by like trips. Mm-hmm. Like another name. He has 45 different names. I just you just because he has his all of his WWE names. Then he has his actual his actual name, and then there's other nicknames that have just been garnered through like 30 years now of traveling right. on the road with people. It's, he does have 45 different names. I call him Mister H. That's what Mr. I call him. I don't H. know if anyone else calls him that. I call him Mister H. Hey, there's another name. There's another name we should have we should have asked about for uh, your name association. This might be the most interesting guy in the Colts franchise, Jim Irsay. Hey, brother. He's the best, man. I love Jim Mersey. Jim Mersey, now granted, this happens with every particular job. Like the owner of the company is the one giving you the money. So like that guy is affording you or girl, that guy or girl, that's very, that was terrible to me. I was directly referencing Jim Mersey there. That guy was huge in my life, obviously. Whenever I got arrested, um, I think he was one of the reasons why I wasn't cut. I think whenever my contract was up, Ryan Grigson definitely wanted to get rid of me. And he said, hey, hey, no, Mac, if he's not leaving, he is just, uh, he's a guy who was a fan of mine. And I got a chance to chat with when not a lot of people did. He would come to practices and kind of hang out with uh, the scouting side of things or with his little, his little team of people around him. He would come up and talk to me in Venetary every single time. And I, I grew quite a relationship with that man who has lived. Him and John Mellencamp have wrote a hundred songs. They got in the can just waiting to release wow. one day. I, uh, I feel like with gambling becoming more and more prevalent and the NFL eventually figuring out what it's going to do, Jim Ursay will be a guy. And I say this only not knowing anything about him other than sort of what I've read is a guy who would be full on proponent of yep. figuring out a way to make gambling work in the NFL. So it's it. I think Jerry Jones is going to be the guy. He's already invested in DraftKings pretty heavily. I think Jerry Jones is probably the guy. He's going to really push for it hard. But I think I think Jim Irsay is. I mean, this guy is like a rock star. You you talk to him as if you're talking to like a creative rock star. So like 
if you would listen to like Tom Petty interviews or anything like that, like that's who you're talking to whenever you're talking to Jim Irsay. So I think Jim Irsay will definitely embrace the gambling thing, but I think he'll do it in his own way. I don't think it'll be like uh, the first team out doing something. I think it'll be something where they'll sit back and figure out how to do it. He's, he's got a creative mind. The dude is, I'm telling you, you have a five minute conversation with him. It's a, it's an hour long conversation with him because he's rolling and it's just, it is, it's an impressive little mind. He's got up there. Now, Patty, you're you're as close to the Colts as, as any former player. You were there a couple of weeks ago dressed up as an old man kicking field goals. That was funny. an awesome video. Um, yeah. I think the Colts right now are plus 300 to win that division this year. Are you taking those odds? The Houston Texans are so good right now. <clears throat> the Houston Texans, this is, the, this is the interesting thing here. Frank Reich, early in the season, they were 1-2. and two. The Houston Texans were 0-3, oh I believe. Yep. Throwaway decision, overtime. Fourth and two, 40 seconds yeah. left on side. Throw away decision by Frank Reich. Fuck it. We're not going we're, we're to go for a tie. We're going to go for a win or a loss. They end up losing right there. That starts the Houston Texans' eight-game win streak. That turns around the Colts' season as well, pretty much. They start getting on board with Frank. They start buying in a little bit more. That throwaway decision right there could be something that's big in the end because I mean, it's a collision course with the Texans to see if they can stumble and if the Colts can stay hot. I would not take the plus 300 right now. I mean, I like, I will put money on there because, like I said, I'm not supposed to have money. That seems like a bet I should put up. But I'm not. <laughs> right. I think in the, I think next year, I think the Colts are going to be very good. Darius Leonard is a maniac, and it's his nickname, and he actually is on the defense. They got a lot of money to spend with, and they got a young culture. So I think yet next year maybe, but that throwaway decision is going to be one that yeah. we look back upon. I think later in the season, going to be like this was an interesting, this was a very interesting decision because it spurred the Houston Texans' win streak, and it also could have motivated the Colts locker room to get behind Frank Reich more. So right. I think that throwaway decision is going to be a big deal later. Settle a, settle a debate for me and Blackjack. So this will be on the podcast. This, this podcast coming out Thursday. Then Blackjack and I do our favorites podcast on Friday. And we have been debating the Colts as four-point favorites on the road at Jacksonville. He loves the Colts. I want to pass. We have a million I mean, reasons why. Jacksonville just seems like there's so much drama mm-hmm. happening down. There's so much, and drama's never good. I mean, it, it, the teams that win seem to keep everything inside the locker room. That's why, like, I think the Steelers are a really good team. I think they're, I think they'll never get back to the big one because of all the drama that just seems to emulate from yes. Big Ben in that offense. I, drama, it's hard enough to win games in the NFL without any of it, especially when there's a lot of emotion, too. That defense down there in Jacksonville's got a lot of emotion. Blake Bortles getting benched might lead them to maybe play a little better because I think that Blake Bortles getting a huge contract was kind of uh, maybe a wedge in that team. It might be something that started to drive them apart after them potentially being like a, a really big team in the AFC. I just I think the Colts are so hot right now. It's a division game. I took the money line minus two twelve. Uh, four and a half seems to be like that's something they could take. Yeah, I mean, to me, the Jaguars look like they've quit. I mean, they look like they're done. And and, like, oh. and yeah, I mean, Bortles is is benched this week, but it's Cody Kessler, man. Like, it's I, I'm sorry, no way. That's a lock, actually, to me. Now that I think about it, the minus four is it four and a half or four? Four, four. That seems like a lock. Thank you, Pat. That's just that interesting to me. Do you feel like there's a handicap for emotion? Like, you know, as, as a former all, player, you look at that and see that. That's all I bet on, by the way. Thank I you, Pat. The most, 
I picked the most wild reasons to be, like, yes. for instance, the Colts last game, Reggie Wayne was going into the uh, ring of honor. There was no way in fucking hell that T.Y. Hilton wasn't going to ball out. Andrew Luck wasn't going to ball out. There was no way in hell that wasn't going to happen with all the OGs. That's all I bet on, to be honest. And I don't know how, because this is the difference. Everybody, because fantasy football, everybody thinks that the NFL is Madden. Everybody thinks that these, these, these people aren't humans, that they don't give more effort without even knowing it or give less effort without even knowing it for certain reasons. You look at that Raiders team, it looks like they've completely fucking quit. I have no idea how anybody could bet on them for the rest of the year because you have no idea who's showing up. Huh. They want pe- people literally just quitting and leaving. They don't even want to play there anymore. Good that's, players. That's so interesting. It's, Chad I wanted to bet the Raiders and the Jaguars this that week. That is fucking bullshit. I did not want to bet the Raiders. Yeah, you did. I didn't want to bet the Raiders. I didn't want to bet the Jaguars. I just didn't want to bet on the favorites in those games. But here's my Why point. Why don't you call Pat McAfee here's a square, you little shit? Here's my point. When you're playing in the NFL and you're saying, you know, Reggie Wayne is there and all the OGs for the Colts are there and they're going to play great. After the first quarter, you've been hitting each other for 15 minutes. Doesn't that sort of extra kick of emotion wear away and you're just playing the game and executing a game plan? No, see, I think I think it's all about the week in advance. Everything is dialed in a little bit more. Now, granted, I never hit anybody for a quarter. So, I mean, I never had that moment where I was like, yeah, you did hit Bart Scott. Yeah, well, no, no, I pushed him. It wasn't really a hit, but I, but it is Mike Tyson said everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Right. Luckily for me, that happened. So, but it, it's the whole week leading up to it. It's just the culture, the environment of the practice, the meetings, everything is like, yo, the OGs are coming in this weekend. They probably stopped by practice earlier. And those are guys that Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton leaned upon earlier in their career. They're really tight with them. That just seemed like, for me, that type of emotion, I don't think you can you can second guess. And I think that was something I realized, too, when, when I was playing in the league, when things were happening either at other stadiums or our stadiums, when we tended to do better or worse. I, I just I feel like I bet on the humans playing more so than the teams playing. And, and that's I don't know if it's good or not. I've seemed to win. I don't, I don't know if it'll wear off. But I think emotion is, is a huge part of all of it. I agree with you, Pat. I always tell this nerd over here that when I bet, I bet based on feel. It's how I live my life, based on feel. Yeah. Because yeah. you could sit here with your spreadsheets, your analytics all you want. You can crumple them up, shove them up your ass. At the end of the day, it's people doing people things, and that's how you got to bet. Am I right? Well, that's will tell you what have happened. Right. They won't tell you what will happen. There it and is. I think that is... Unless it. something is a hundred percenter, I don't want to fucking hear about it. Cause that means it's happened differently in the past. And that's honestly how I feel with the old stats thing. Love it, Patty. All right. So I'm basically against you both, but that's cool. Hey, uh, <laughs> Pat McAfee, Stink. listen, you're killing it, brother. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I know we're going to be doing a lot more with you in the new year. So I'm excited about that. And, um, yeah. Pat McAfee show 2.0. Keep rocking. We appreciate you coming on. Hey, and congratulations to you guys. Action Network's really blowing the hell up, and your app is because is, now when I first started this whole thing, there was conversations with Action Network because you guys sponsored, yeah. and I made fun of Anthony DeGilio, who is a kid that I'm with. He loves your Diggs. app. Diggs I'm is like, the best. What is Diggs? Yeah, he's my guy. He literally yeah. grew up on my street. 
he was like, oh, you're going to love this app. It keeps track of all your bets. It keeps track of the money. It gives you so much information. And I was like, how do you not fucking know what you're betting on? And then now that I'm betting on, it's like I completely forget. I'm like, I need the action. I need your app. I, I It fucking saves me on a Thank on a you. weekly basis. When we get to Green Dot City, let's go. Let's have a fucking day. Green Dot City. Listen, you and Diggs are huge supporters of the app, and we appreciate it. We appreciate both you guys. We can't wait to do more with you once we get to the turn of the year. Thanks for coming on the Favorites podcast. Is Darren Ravel exclusive to the Action Network now? Exclusive to the Action Network. You guys are making moves, We man. are not yeah. fucking around, Pat McAfee. We're trying to hire every nerdy white guy out there, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys have a great one. Thanks for having me. All right, Thanks, nice you. All right, thank you for listening to the Favorites special edition with Pat McAfee. We're back tomorrow, as usual, with me and Chad Millman on the Super Contest edition of The Favorites. Make sure you listen, uh, subscribe, give us a five-star review, say something mean about Chad. That makes my day, and we love all of you.